stage. I want to welcome all of you across the network as we step more fully into the season of Advent and our journey towards Christmas. We know that this time of year can be hectic and all the busyness of the holidays, but we want to create space by which we can lay hold of the gifts of hope and peace and joy and faith. The Christmas season can often be marked by activities and spending and trying to find that perfect present, but this is the, this is the season of Advent. It's been known as Advent for centuries by the followers of Jesus, a, a time of, of waiting and arrival, a time of expectancy. It, it's, a, it's a space of hope where we look forward to celebrating the greatest gift of God, the gift of Jesus. And it's my prayer that we would each know the fullness of the gift and, know, and be able to live that fully in our lives on a daily basis, especially in this season. See, the word Advent actually comes from a Latin word meaning coming, and, and it speaks to both preparing and waiting. It's, it's directed at the reality of Jesus coming, and we know that he came more than 2,000 years ago, and we remember and celebrate that at this time of year, but we also know he's coming back. And that space of waiting is the space of hope. The key to it is hope. We can have a, even, even a thrill of hope in that waiting. We, we just sang about that in one of my favorite songs at Christmas. It's O Holy Night. Let me just go back to those words for a moment. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love the reality of that statement. It, it speaks to the breadth and width and depth of what Christmas is, that our soul feels its worth. But after that comes the reality of the thrill of hope, where the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. There's a thrill of hope. And when we have hope, it's significant, but it's just as significant when it's absent. Hopefulness has a tremendous impact. Hopelessness is just as significant. Well, we want to have hope. And I think we even understand the basic definition of hope, especially when we use it as a verb. To look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence. To believe, desire, or trust. I really encourage you, if you have a note guide, to circle, highlight, underline the word trust. This reflects the heart of true hope. This is what hope is. And, and we can get the definition of hope, and we know when we have hope and we know when we don't have hope, but hope itself is unique. It's unique in what it is, how we get it, and where it comes from. So I want to take a moment to talk a bit about hope today. And if you want to draw what I'm drawing, you can go to the second page of your note guide and use the block, or you can just wait because we're going to come to this a couple of times and you can catch up at that point. But the idea of hope, hope is unique because it exists in attention. It is a tension between what is and what isn't. It inherently resides in a tension between what is and isn't. Between now and next. Between now and not yet. Hope resides in the space between what is and what isn't. Now and not yet. In some ways, it's like the concept of when we receive a gift. If you get a gift this Christmas and you receive it and you have it in your hands and on your lap, it is. But if you haven't opened it yet, if you haven't used it yet, engaged it yet, it isn't. It is and isn't. We can have a gift, but we don't open the gift, use the gift, engage the gift. It both is and isn't simultaneously. Hope simultaneously is and isn't. It, it, it lives in the space of is and isn't. 
a promise. A promise is and isn't. It is now, but it has, has this component of not yet. Salvation is and isn't. Life in Jesus, the promise of eternal life, is and isn't. Now, I'm not saying we can't know and have it today. We can. We can know and have salvation, promise of eternal life through Jesus. It is. But that promise of eternity in heaven with God is not yet. We're still here. So it both is and isn't. Hope resides in the space of what it, between is what is and isn't, and it is the space of waiting. And we all wait. And we wait all the time. We wait in lines. We wait for deliveries. We wait for answers. We wait for news. We wait for changes. We wait for opportunities. Waiting. We all wait all the time. And waiting can actually be exciting or it can be challenging. It can be fun or it can be frustrating. In fact, can, can you think of the last time, the most recent time you had to wait for something? Why, yes, I can, Sean. It was just in that moment there when you wouldn't stink and finish your question. <laughs> Look, we wait all the time, and we rarely like to wait. Because it can be challenging. It can be frustrating. We don't like to wait. We've even come up with statements that help us wait, like good things come to those who wait. Yeah, we, we hope that's true. We want that to be true. We even kind of hope it's a biblical principle, but really that's, it's not quite, it's, it's not quite how it works because God, he does work all things for the good of those who love him. And he does say, invite us to wait patiently for him to act. But listen, the waiting space is not just a path to good things. Waiting is a space of good things. In fact, waiting is the space that holds a place for hope. Waiting is a space that holds a place for hope. And we all wait. But waiting can be hard. Yet waiting is a space that holds a place for hope. It can be hard. It's hard for us. It's hard, harder for some of us. It's, it's even harder in certain circumstances. But waiting is the space that holds a place for hope. And the Bible tells us that hope without waiting is no hope at all. In fact, this isn't in your note guide, but it's up here on the screen. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 says this, But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Waiting is the space that holds a place for hope. And so we need to know how to wait well, which actually takes us back to the tension between what is and isn't, that space where hope resides, because the space between now and next is actually a place and space of trust. Trust is actually from a thing we know and call faith. Faith is belief, but it's more than that. The Bible defines faith as being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not yet see. Sh sure and certain for what is not yet. And regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, regardless of what you are currently waiting for, faith provides hope in every waiting space. In every, and in any and every waiting space. Faith provides hope, which is a really important distinction 
Really important. Hope is birthed in faith, not circumstance. Hope is birthed in faith, not circumstance. It, 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 it's, in, it's in faith that, that stuff is brought into the dynamic by which we have hope into the equation. Faith produces and brings about hope. Hope gives meaning to moments and, and is always preceded by faith. It's, hope is birthed in faith. In fact, circumstances are absolutely irrelevant to having hope. Now, how long we wait, the dynamics we have to wait in, those things can challenge our hope. They can challenge our willingness to hold to hope, but they don't define it. At least they shouldn't define it. We can wait well because hope is birthed by faith, not circumstances. And when we understand that regardless of what our circumstances are, something's positive or negative, whether we're in planned or unplanned dynamics, that God works in all of those spaces. In fact, at some point, you can write down Romans 8, 28 and go check it out. Or speaks to how God works in every space for those who love Him. When we understand that He works in all of those spaces, then the confidence gained by hope, it's actually produced by faith. And so we can have the thrill of hope in any and every circumstance, in any and every waiting space, because it's birthed by faith, not circumstances. So here's what I want to do today. I want to look at the, at the lives of two individuals that are connected to the Christmas story that help us understand the season of Advent and waiting and how we can wait well. It's going to be in Luke chapter 2, which is very familiar. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get there. But Luke chapter 2 is where we find recorded the birth of Jesus. It's a very familiar passage. In fact, it's probably one of the most familiar Bible passages because we go to it every Christmas. It's where we learn about Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus in the manger and the shepherds and the angels and but there's actually a couple of other figures in that same chapter who speak to how to wait well in the Advent journey, who can actually position us to wait well this Christmas. So we're going to dive into this familiar story. Mary and Joseph are at the front end of it. Jesus, the shepherds, the angels, the magi coming a bit later. But there are, again, there are these two figures that although may not be so familiar, they're just as significant. The first of which is a man by the name of Simeon. A man by the name of Simeon. And I want to check this out, invite you to follow along in your own Bible or up here, then Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. He was what? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So there's some really great details we know about Simeon. He was righteous, he was devout, Holy Spirit was on him. That's awesome. And in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So here's an interesting thing. Holy Spirit talked to, to Simeon. And in this time, at this point in the journey between God and his people, the Holy Spirit didn't speak to everyone. Holy Spirit only spoke to some. And Simeon was one of those. See, today, Holy Spirit will speak to anyone and everyone who has relationship with God through Jesus. Because Jesus sends Holy Spirit to be comforter and guide. So if we have a relationship with God through Jesus, we can hear from Holy Spirit. But at this point, Holy Spirit only talked to some. And one of those was Simeon. So verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This moment takes place more than a month from the moment that, that the shepherds ran through the town telling anybody they could that Jesus was born. And apparently they didn't tell Simeon. But Holy Spirit told Simeon. In fact, Holy Spirit told Simeon to go to the temple. And we don't really know if Simeon knew why he was supposed to go to the temple. Probably didn't. And I don't think he cared if he knew. He, he knew. He just, he just obeyed. And it was a really good thing because it was on this day, literally 40 days after the birth of Jesus, that Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into that space. Simeon sees him and recognizes Jesus as Messiah. He knew. Scripture doesn't tell us how he knew, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Holy Spirit told him that as well. And as a result, he joyfully declares God's purpose. His hope was realized. He lands in a place of peace. And whenever we live in obedience, whenever we live with God's perspective, whenever we follow his priority, everything changes because hope is birthed in faith. It's birthed in faith, but hope flourishes when our perspective is bigger than our circumstances. Hope is birthed in faith, but it flourishes whenever our perspective, how we look at things, how we look at people, how we look at life is actually bigger than our individual circumstances. When we look at, at the world and we look at the things around us the way God does, in light of eternity, not just in light of today, and Simeon provides a very clear example of waiting in obedience. But hear me, he is not the only person in this moment because right at this exact moment enters another individual and her name was Anna. Anna. In this moment, as Simeon is praying and declaring this over Jesus, Anna almost like interrupts that moment, almost, not quite, just comes right in on the backside of it and has her own experience around seeing the fulfillment of a promise and seeing the fulfillment of a waiting space. So let's take a look at what it says about Anna. This is verse 36 now in chapter 2. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, that would be Simeon, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking toward, forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. At the very time, at the very moment of praying, she shows up, she breaks into praise and begins to declare who Jesus is to all of those waiting for the Messiah to come. It's a beautiful moment. She, she's clearly devout, faithful in fasting and prayer. How long she'd actually been in that space, not quite clear, but we do know she's 84. We know she pursued God and his promises with her whole heart, night and day, in a waiting space. She waited for the fulfillment of the prophecy. Now I think it really under, helps us to understand a bit more about Anna, but the deal is, this is all we know. This is all that Scripture speaks of her, right here. Yet if we take this and we put it in the context of what was happening in history, what was happening in the environments around her, we get to a little clearer picture of who she really was. So let's just lean into her for just a second. See, she was a prophet. She was a prophet like Miriam and Deborah, which meant she had an unusually close relationship with God and God spoke through her. It wasn't necessarily telling the future. It was mostly in the reality of declaring truth, God's truth, 
being declarative about that for what the people needed to hear. So she was a prophet, but she was also a daughter. And the mention of her ancestry indicates a bit of distinction from where she came, from who she came from. And we know from tradition that the tribe of Asher was actually known, their women were actually known for their beauty and talent. And they were considered to be worthy of royal and high priestly marriage, which is pretty great. But in this moment, Anna is 84 years old. She's old. Scripture says very old. At the time of this encounter, she had been waiting a long time for Messiah. And that waiting was not an easy journey. It was not a cakewalk. Because we know that Scripture tells us she was a widow after just seven years. After just seven years, she lost her life partner. As a woman from a tribe who was considered to be positioned for excellence in marriage, she loses her life partner after just seven years. And she could have been, she could have been positioned to lean away, tempted to lean away from God in that brokenness, in that loss, but instead she leaned into him and did it for a long time. We don't exactly know when she married or when her husband died, but many women married as early as 15. Maybe she got married at 17. If she got married at 17, she was widowed by 24. So 60 years living in a waiting space, but embracing hope out of faith. You know, for me, Anna's impressive. She's impressive to me. And and ladies, sisters, listen to me for just a moment. If you have ever struggled to embrace or see your value and significance, I want to acknowledge that I understand the complexities of our culture and even complexities in some religious circles. But I hope and desire today that you would know and see that you have value in God's eyes. That as daughters of the king, you would recognize that God holds godly women in high regard just simply by the fact, as we look at Anna's story, see that he chose a godly woman to be the second person to declare who Jesus was. Don't ever question your value or significance as a daughter of the king. You have it. One of the things for me about Anna, I already mentioned this, things that strike me about Anna's story is that even though her story and journey wasn't easy, wasn't cushy, she still chose to wait well. She chose to pursue God and his promises. Understanding, though, that as a child, she she lived in a season of war and national oppression. So the idea that there would be a redeemer and rescuer to come some point down the road would have been a great source of hope for her to navigate that season of waiting. But again, seven years into a, a, a commitment to a life partner in marriage, she loses her husband and is placed into a waiting space in the context of loss. And in that loss and being a widow came with it all kinds of difficulty for this season and culture that she was in. It, it often came with the loss of identity, status, property. In some ways, it's not unreasonable to think that she was probably destitute. But in a space that could likely have been 60 years of waiting, she chose to do so out of a posture of faith and trust and embraced hope, leaning into God. She could have chose bitterness and leaned away, but instead she chose to lean in in hopeful act of waiting. But it couldn't have been easy because we all know in every waiting space, things happen that challenge our willingness and ability to wait well. 
Things happen that challenge our determination to wait well. Maybe you can personally think of, a, of a, an incident or an experience that you had in a waiting space that caused you or is causing you to question your ability to wait well. Maybe it was a loss for you. Maybe it was a death. Maybe a, a hurt, a wound, a, a wrong, some kind of injustice, or you're in a lost dream. Maybe you lost your spouse too soon. And, and quite honestly, it probably always feels too soon. Or maybe for you, from your perspective, God wasn't there for you in the way you wanted or needed in one season. And that is challenging your willingness to wait well, to do so in trust. You know, for me, for many years as a kid, I struggled in my heart towards God's people, towards the church. Um, my dad is a pastor, and as a PK, as a preacher's kid, I, I just saw some of the dynamics, some of the brokenness of people and harshness, the way they treated him and the dynamic of what happens in context of community and people. And, and I really started to develop some churn around my heart towards God's people, even declare to God that I never wanted to be a pastor because of the stuff I was seeing. Yet at the age of 14, we had a fire in our house where we lost nearly everything. My family, we were all away for different reasons and faulty wiring sparked and, and we lost everything, nearly everything within that house, fire. But out of that brokenness and loss, God began to heal and transform my perspective and heart towards his people. As they rallied around us, the church family, and began to care, lovingly care for us in that space. So that later, decades later, I would be positioned to genuinely and honestly love his people in a pastoral role. See, we have a choice in a waiting space for how we're going to respond to a loss or a setback. Anna chose to lean in. Anna chose to wait. In her pain, she turned to God. In her waiting, in her loss, she turned toward him, not away from him. And she knew she was part of something bigger, some bigger story. It wasn't just about her circumstances, and she found reward as a result. So I wonder today, is there something in your journey, in your life, that is keeping you from waiting well, keeping you from pursuing him in the waiting space? Hope flourishes when our perspective is bigger than our circumstances. In Romans chapter 5, we found, find some interesting comments about how we get to space of hope. It says this, that we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the opportunity to live in a space of waiting with hope because hope is birthed in faith, not circumstances. And because that is true, the reality next that we need to embrace is that where there is faith, there is hope. Where there is faith, there is hope, or at least there can be, at least there should be. Because as Romans 15 tells us, our hope comes from God. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It doesn't come from the loss. It doesn't come from the brokenness. Our hope comes from God by faith. And, and the baby in the temple moment that we read about here was a normal everyday event until Simeon and Anna declared who Jesus was. The fulfillment of a promise, the realization, hope realized, even leading them to peace in that moment. 
And regardless of what we experience in the journey, the truth is hope is, is tested in our circumstances. Hope is tested in our waiting, in our loss, in the brokenness, in the dysfunctions of people and humanity. Hope is tested in our circumstances, but it's anchored in trust. It, it's anchored when we embrace a posture of trust by faith. It's anchored to navigate all the things that we experience. So we may want to cling to the idea that good things come to those who wait, but, but we don't have to hope that that kind of thing is true. There are actually promises in Scripture that we can lay hold of that are true, that are worth waiting for, and help us wait well. Like, God will supply all of our needs. We find that in Philippians 4. He will supply all of our needs. In James 1, it says that God will give wisdom, so we know how to navigate the waiting space. In Revelation 21, it says that God will remove all sadness one day. So the hardship and the pain is only for a season. And in John chapter 14, there's the promise that Jesus will come back. So wait well. Sit in the waiting space, waiting well. And if you find yourself today impatient in the waiting space, impatient about God's promises, you're actually probably embracing one of two perspectives. Either you don't believe that God always fulfills his promises, or you don't believe his timing is perfect. If you're struggling with impatience in the waiting space, it's either because you don't believe he's faithful to fulfill his promises all the time, or you don't think his timing's perfect. But we can wait and trust, because he does, and his timing is. But we have to trust. One of my favorite authors is Oswald Chambers, and he has a statement that I go back to often because it's just good for my soul to revisit. He said this, faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Do you love and know him well enough to wait well in the waiting space, to trust in the waiting space, and embrace hope in the waiting space? Hope is tested in circumstances, but it's anchored in trust. So this Advent season, be like Simeon and Anna, who were willing and able to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. That's how we navigate this space between now and not yet. But so what? Let's just lean into one more statement that positions us to wait well this Advent season. It's the reality that hopeful waiting is the catalyst of divine provision. Hopeful waiting is the catalyst. It's the platform of divine provision, of, of God building and giving into the spaces that we walk. So, so wait well. We can actually wait actively or passively. We can wait patiently or impatiently. We can wait expectantly or reluctantly. And Simeon and Anna chose to wait actively, patiently, and expectantly for God to fulfill his promises. And he did. And because they waited in that posture, because they were faithful, they were ready. And they were ready to be part of it. Hopeful waiting is the catalyst of divine provision. So how well are you waiting in whatever you're waiting for? How well are you waiting? Are you in a posture of trust out of faith? Or is it worry? Are you trying to lay hold of control in it? Or are you releasing control out of faith in him? Hopeful waiting requires belief. It requires faith and expectancy. It reflects trust that's demonstrated in obedience. 
whenever we trust and we step in obedience, God shows up in those spaces. He did it for Simeon and Anna. They had intense spirituality that fueled their hope and became the platform of God's provision for them and for others around them, their people, because they were willing to wait, hopefully. And and Psalm 147 reminds us that the Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. It's not in circumstances, it's in Him. From a place of trust, out of faith, we put our hope in Him. Don't let the setbacks, don't let the disappointments, don't let the junk of this life define your hope. Let faith define your hope. Faithful pursuit actually leads to hopeful expectancy. And that leads to peace. Peace now and peace next. And for Simeon and Anna, they chose to wait in hope by faith. Simeon for a really long time. Anna for a long time in a space of loss. They made a choice to lean into God and pursue Him. And so can you. So can we, all of us. If we're willing to navigate the space between now and not yet. In a posture of hope and belief. Simeon and Anna, they devoted themselves to pursuing God in the waiting. Anna, in particular, she forfeited dreams and hopes and desires and other priorities just to sit in a space of worship waiting for the fulfillment of a promise. So as a result, that, that, that posture became the platform of divine provision, of God moving and responding. So where are you positioned to do that this Advent? To be faithful in the waiting, expectant in the waiting, Anna did it for years, prayed, fasted, but that investment had consistency. 84 years old, decades in the waiting space. But she entered that temple that day, into that space to hear and see Simeon declaring who Jesus was, joined in that moment, broke out and praised herself. Hopeful waiting is the catalyst of divine provision. They both experienced hope being realized, and that led to peace. So as you process what this means for you in this next season, the reality is that there are promises of God that are available. And whenever God makes a promise, it creates a space in the now and next dynamic that leads to a place of peace. The space between is a place of trust and faith as we wait in hope between now and not yet. And whatever it is, faith leads to hope as we wait in trust. And this space ultimately is filled by Jesus. The, the promises that God gives, they, 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 they create a waiting space. Simeon and Anna had to wait. The people of God had to wait. Whatever promise God has put out before you in his word or directly to you by spirit, it is a waiting space. But you can have peace in that space as you trust in Jesus and rest in the reality that he fulfills his promises. Trusting in who Jesus is allows us to bridge the promise and the peace. And the peace comes now, but it's fully realized later whatever God's perfect timing may be. And if you're someone who who struggles to find hope or peace in the midst of the waiting, it could be simply because you've not actually taken a step of trust in Jesus. You may know about Jesus, but you've not opened that gift. If you've not done that, I encourage you to step into relationship. The hope is available. It is real. You can experience peace today in him out of the promises of God, in a now and next, now and not yet dynamic. This Christmas, this Advent can be marked by peace in the waiting, marked by hope in whatever you're waiting for.
But you've got to choose Jesus. And then out of faith, overflow with hope because of how he moves in that space. Hope is not wishful thinking, my friends. It's, it's trust. Hope is not based in circumstances. It's based in faith. And I'll tell you this. Hope cannot be taken from you, but it can be forfeited. And we forfeit hope whenever we exchange faith for fear. Whenever we exchange faith for personal control. Whenever we exchange a trust in him and belief in him for trust in ourselves. Your hope cannot be taken, but it can be forfeited. It's available to all who believe by faith. So wait well in whatever you're waiting for. When God says go, go. Be patient, be faithful, be obedient. Be obedient in the small things, consistent. Be willing to invest in the things that God cares about. Be willing to do the the spiritual labor of prayer and fasting and worship and scripture reading. If you're not engaging in those things, you will not find him and you will not find peace that passes understanding. And hope will be elusive in the space between what is and it isn't. But as you lean into him, as you choose him every day, not just when you're in trouble and not just when you need help, but choose to lean into him on the daily choices, even without seeing, even when there is a not yet, even when there is a space of waiting, you will experience hope in a bigger story. You will realize that your life is part of something bigger than yourself. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. There's a bigger story, and Simeon and Anna knew that. They knew they were part of a bigger story, the redemption of Jerusalem and, and beyond. So my prayer for you this Advent season is that you would actively, patiently, and expectantly wait in trust. In fact, it takes us back to Romans 15 where it really reflects the prayer that I'm praying for us that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In whatever you're facing, you can overflow with hope. I'm convinced that God wants to do new things in our communities, and he wants to do it through his people, through his church. So I want to encourage you to be ready. He wants to bring new life. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring healing and reconciliation. He wants us to be living in postures of hopeful expectancy and waiting. So be part of it. Don't just wait. Be ready to step into it. When he's, when he's going to do something unique, when he's going to fulfill a promise, be ready to be part of it. Be someone who is, who's ready to be part of that reality. Do the work now so you're ready then. Be willing to wait well so when the time comes, you can step in the fullness of what it means to receive and live out the gift of Jesus Christ. It's that hopeful, prayerful, faith-filled waiting that is the catalyst of divine provision. And my friends, you were made by Jesus and for Jesus. He is the gift. He is the gift. And you will never find peace. You will never fully embrace hope. You will never be able to navigate the space between now and not yet without him. But the moment that you choose by faith to put your trust in him, his peace that passes understanding feeds the space between. And we live in the waiting with hope out of the promises of who God is, out of the promises of what Jesus has already done. And this is the space that we live into the fullness 
of the gift of life he gives, even as we wait. And in that space, it's a space that we say, you know what, Lord, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm waiting for, I choose to wait well. That if the mountains bow in reverence before you, the Prince of Peace, so will I. If, if creation still obeys you, so will I. If Simeon and Anna were willing to wait for the fulfillment of a promise, so will I. May this Advent season, may, may you be a person who says, in the waiting space, so will I. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, you are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise, and you are faithful to fill all your promises, and your timing is perfect, but often in the waiting space we struggle. I pray that this Advent season you would speak so clearly to our hearts and minds by Holy Spirit that we would be able to wait, and not just wait, but wait well that we would wait actively, patiently, and expectantly, and that we would be ready for you to work and move for your glory in our lives. But may we do that as we place our faith in Jesus, our trust in him, so that we overflow with hope. Jesus, may you speak to my friends even now as we continue to worship in song of where the spaces are in our lives where we need to say, you know, just as Simeon and Anna waited, so why? And we'll do it from a place of faith, embracing trust in who you are, overflowing with hope. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.